This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, September 12th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to talk about all the footage that was shown in Hall D23 at D23 Expo 2022. We saw some big stuff. There were some big announcements. There was some news. Uh, this is Disney's annual convention where they, they, they bring out all the stops. And uh, joining me for this discussion is Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Uh, Brad, how was your D23? Uh, it was good. This was the first time I've ever been to D23, actually, because uh, you've covered it for so long because you're always just right there uh, in L.A. and it's easier for you to get to Anaheim. But uh, this time I was flown out there uh, to take on the convention and cover these two big studio panels. And there was there were some other things that were happening, too. Um, we But we actually had a, one of our features writers, uh, Dalen Rowell. She was on the ground and she attended a couple things that I couldn't make it to. Uh, like the Muppets Christmas Carol uh, retrospective and the Simpsons panel um, and then uh, the Disney branded television panel where they released some stuff for uh, National Treasure, Edge of History and the Santa Clauses and, and other stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I, I will say it was interesting to see because like um, this felt it feels smaller than Star Wars Celebration, which is strange because you would think that it would feel bigger with so many Disney properties being covered. Uh, and Star Wars is just Star Wars, but the Star Wars Celebration Convention feels infinitely bigger as far as like stuff to cover and things to talk about and uh, stuff going on, on on the show floor. And there's still plenty happening on the show floor, but more more so than Star Wars Celebration, it just feels like uh, it's much more focused on uh, like merchandise exclusives and photo opportunities and like a little more kid oriented uh, things, lots of theme park stuff and like all the Disney fans are all about getting like pins and plushes and just like all, all the exclusive merch that's there. Uh, so it didn't really feel like there was as much to do as there is uh, for Star Wars celebration, but being there for these big studio panels was, uh, was a lot of fun. Yeah. It, it's weird. D23 feels a lot more corporate. Like Star Wars celebration actually feels like a convention where like it's a community of fans getting together and there's a lot to do there. Whereas D23, like, you know, you have this humongous booth for Hulu and you have this, you know, it just feels very, very corporate and all the show floors like photo ops and, you know, lines for photo ops and lines for stores, lines to buy things. Um, that said, uh, Celebration usually has their big panels in the arena. Uh, which yeah, is- I was surprised by that. Yeah, and um, and over here it's it's on the show floor. They actually fit like quite a lot more people. They actually have, I think, almost eight thousand people. So it's more people that f- 
fit into uh, Hall D23 than fit into Hall H at Comic-Con. Although it doesn't feel like it because it's a weird, like... Yeah, so, like, the it's Hall H is tall and, like, uh, like a, a big square, like, huge room. But the, the room that they have the stuff in for these big D23 studio panels, it's a lot wider and the screens are spread across the, the front in a, in a wider format. So the seating... Uh, goes further wider but the room doesn't feel super long the way that hall h does yeah um okay well there's two main panels that we're going to talk about today uh that is on friday they had uh i forget what it was called but it's walt disney pictures pixar animation and walt disney animation all in one panel and then there's also another panel on saturday which was marvel lucasfilm and avatar okay fox <laughs> so uh let's start with um walt disney pictures uh whatever the walt disney pictures panel was so disney is celebrating 100 years I, I think that's when walt disney moved to california and started uh a production studio and next year they, they unveiled well they're having a whole celebration which is going to be across the parks across the movies across tv there it's gonna be all over the place but one place that everybody will see it is in front of every movie. They have replaced the that opening Walt Disney Studios logo that like kind of goes across the water and pans up to the castle and then there's fireworks and stuff like that to a new one where it's like kind of comes from behind, like with the mountains and rivers. and, and like, it, like, like through a waterfall. Yeah, it, it looks way more epic and way more huge yeah um, it's like you actually see the like the castle actually kind of like being refreshed like as like magic is taking over the previous castle and it's just like just sprucing it up a little bit yeah what what, what did you think of this new opening uh it's it's pretty cool you know it's it, it looks good and also if you notice too there's some uh some easter eggs in uh in it uh there's like uh little lanterns in the river in front of uh the walt disney castle like uh, from tangled if you look on the far right side of the castle you can see pride rock from the lion king in the distance and i haven't taken a significantly closer look but those are just the things that i noticed from seeing it several times during all the uh the d23 panel so i'm sure there's other little winks and nods to other disney movies in there as well oh, i didn't even look um but i think it's a, an improvement i'd love for them to keep this after the hundred year I, I guess they're calling it 100 Years of Wonders or Wonder. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they started things off with a trailer for Hocus Pocus 2. Is this something that's online, Brad? I haven't actually had much time to look on yeah, the yeah. internet. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they released that one right away. Yeah. What did you think of the trailer? Uh, you know, it's fine. Um, it has the, the kind of like nostalgic feel that they want fans to feel when they watch this. And there's some amusing parts in it. Um, this is one that I'm not super excited for. It, it's fun to see. Uh, you know, all three of the Sanderson sisters together again. Um, and I, I feel like it could be could be fun. But, you know, I'm not clamoring to see this one. So it's, you know, it's, it's fine. Yeah, uh, I was a big fan of the original, but it's weird because that original movie is not a big movie. Um, it's but it has it does have a big uh, fan base and like that has yeah. grown since since they were kids. So, yeah, but what I, I think I was surprised by this and actually the next movie we'll talk about is how small the movie seemed like the sequel, like it definitely feels like it's not a theatrical movie. It almost feels like it's supposed to be like direct to Disney plus. I mean, honestly, the original Hocus Pocus doesn't feel like that big yeah. of a movie either. So I think, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the next movie they showed a preview of was disenchanted. This is the sequel to enchanted, which I love. It's a musical starring um, Amy. 
Adams. Adams, sorry. Uh, yeah, and um, they did this whole bit where uh, Maya Rudolph and Amy Adams were coming into late, coming in late from Disneyland, holding churros and stuff, and uh, and a bunch of like Disney like uh, souvenirs from the park. Yeah, yeah. Um, what what did you think of the footage that they showed from this? I think this looks great. You know, I, people have been waiting for an Enchanted sequel for a long time, and uh, I love that the spin that they're putting on this because, like, the story now is we have uh, Amy Adams' character, Giselle, uh, married to Patrick Dempsey's character, and now they're trying to live, like, this suburban life where she has um, a young a young kid and a, a teenager. And, uh, of course, um, you have to deal with the uh, a real-life wicked stepmother in a completely different uh, (laughs) situation since she's a mother. And, like, we all know the confrontations that can exist between a mother and a stepmother uh, when you have that kind of uh, scenario, family scenario going on. So that mixed with the, you know, the the fairy tale riffing and that kind of stuff I think will be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, Maya Rudolph looks deliciously evil here. And I'm excited that there's new music from Alan Menken. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, you know, obviously you can see this trailer online. Again, my my big complaint here is like taking this from New York City where they had like these fantastical music numbers like in the middle of Central Park and stuff like that and then putting it in the suburbs. It looks so much smaller scale than the original. And that kind it, of worries me. It does. I don't necessarily mind that though, because it fits the story and it makes sense. So like, yeah. you don't, and I, I don't think that necessarily precludes them from having big musical numbers either. Yeah. The next film they previewed was Peter Pan and Wendy. Uh, this is from the director of, uh, what was it called? Pete's dragon. Yes. No, it's, yeah. Pete's dragon. Um, Jude David Law, Lowry. David Lowry, yeah. Uh, Jude Law plays Captain Hook in this, and I got to say, out of everything I saw on this panel, I think uh, this might be one of the things that I was most impressed with. Yeah, I wasn't expecting much out of this, but I was also pleasantly surprised to see that this actually looked pretty good. It kind kind of has a little bit of a Pirates of the Caribbean feel to it, and uh, it doesn't feel like like the rest of the live action Disney updates where it feels like it's just a carbon copy of the original movie. Like they definitely hit some of the finer points of like seeing um, all the, the darling kids, you know, flying. And of course, you know, one has the top hat and they're in their pajamas and they fly away from big Ben and stuff like that. But there's also some other really cool stuff here. And uh, what they talked about during the panel too, um, the, the actress who plays Wendy, um, her name is escaping me right now. Um, but they, they talked about how this movie kind of puts Wendy on a little bit more even footing, uh, with Peter Pan and gives her like a bigger role as well as, uh, Tiger Lily also has a more significant part as well. Yeah. And then also, I think they said Hook and Pan were past friends in this version. Yeah. Yeah. This one will also dig more into like their, the source of their rivalry and that, and Jude Law teased that it might even show that at one point they were friends. Yeah, this looked big and epic for a Disney Plus movie. Uh, the Lost Boys felt very like Lord of the Flies esque, and they have girls among them. Yeah, and Law as Hook uh, was just like I don't know, just perfectly juicy as like that kind of like playing a villain kind of thing. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for that one. Um, the next one was Haunted Mansion. This is from uh, director Justin Simeon. Uh, he worked at, at disneyland as a kid and they showed his like uh past when he worked there for uh one summer and uh he said he wanted to get all the easter eggs right and they showed us this first look trailer that seemed like it was perfectly cut just for the d23 audience because i'm not sure if you really realize this brad because you're, i know you're not as big of like a disney 
bland fanatic, but the trailer was literally like, here's an Easter egg. Here's an Easter egg. Here's something from the ride. Here's something from the ride. Here's it like felt like it was a clip show of everything that like they referenced from the ride in the movie. Yeah. It felt like there were a lot of things that I didn't fully understand because I'm not as immersed in the theme park lore of haunted mansion and the story of behind the ride and all of its characters. Like there's certain things I recognize, uh, you know, like the hat box, hat box ghost and all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, there's plenty of things here that theme park fanatics are really going to enjoy. But on top of that, I thought the movie, this one also impressed me. It looks surprisingly good. It feels like the Disney adventure version of the haunting and it even has Owen Wilson in it. So, uh, you know, I, I thought it was, it looks pretty cool. Who may or may not be a priest. Right. At one point he was wearing the priest costume. Another point he wasn't, which makes me think that he was not, but I don't know. Um, and also they publicly, publicly announced that Jamie Lee Curtis was going to be playing Madame Leota. She came out in like this cool dune, dune buggy that like came onto stage. It was co- kind of a cool reveal where it like turned around and revealed her. Um, and they joked about the rumors that Jared Leto is playing Hatbox Ghost, but they didn't confirm it. But I think mentioning his name, I think it's not, it, right? No, I think that he did say that he was like he, okay. he like he didn't make it sound like he was saying there's rumors out there that Jared Leto might be playing the Hatbox Ghost. I, I don't know. And then it was like, he's like, he's like, they're like, they're like he's like, yeah, but but he is. <laughs> Okay, I, I I must have missed that. But yeah, this is um this had so many like little Easter Easter eggs like the missing portrait, the hidden seance room, the doom buggy chair, uh, the hitchhiking ghost, the gunfight, the you know I could list them all. But um I'm I don't know I'm I'm curious to see how this movie is because uh some some of the casting didn't seem what seemed seemed weird. I mean Owen Wilson seems weird for a haunted mansion movie. <laughs> But I, but I like what he's doing in this movie. It looks it looks like fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm excited for it. Um, next up, we got to see a preview of the sequel to The Lion King. This is coming from director Barry Jenkins, and this is called Mufasa: uh, Colin the Lion King, which is a horrible title. But anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, it's supposed to tell the story of one of the greatest kings in the history of the Pride Lands. And the story is told by Rafiki. Yep. Is that correct? And also there's like Puma and um, Puma. Pumba. Or what's his name? <laughs> Timon and Pumba. So, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and they're kind of like. Uh, it's like the bookends for it. Like they're they're hearing yeah. the story, but like they're also adding some comedy because in the clip they show at the end, like they're asking, you know, like they want to hear stories about them and they feel left out. Um but yeah, this this was you know I'm not I'm not particularly excited for a Lion King uh, prequel or sequel, whatever you want to call this. Um, the fact that Barry Jenkins is doing it does make me a little bit more interested. But I just didn't really like the Lion King uh, redo all that much, especially because of the photorealistic visual effects just make things feel weird, and I feel like that's going to be the same problem around here. Um, and the story itself is like you know I I just. I don't know. It just it feels like they're going to they're turning Mufasa into Moses, you know, and they're going to tell his story about how he was an orphan. But then he rose up to how, somehow he managed to be king of the Pride Lands. And it's like, OK, but like, yeah. I don't know. I don't really care. <laughs> and it's also about, you know, how he's great because of the family and friends that surround him, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did not like the original Lion King. I'm a big fan of John Favreau, who did that movie. And I felt like it was mostly a miss. Um, and now that you're taking like the comic relief out of it and putting them in kind of the bookend storytelling of it, 
I don't know. That worries me even more because I'm sure like, I'm sure there'll still be some comedy sprinkled throughout by some of the side characters, and I'm willing to bet that it won't just be a bookend. It'll probably be the kind of thing where like there are like little quick oh, little yeah. like interludes or like like interrupt and like have questions and and stuff like that. For sure. Um, and then we got a very very early glimpse of Snow White. Uh, this is the live action uh, adaptation of the Disney classic, and. Um, what did they even show? It was like two like little it was, snippets. It, it was a lot of establishing shots of like the the evil queen's uh, castle and like uh, inside of it, and then the the cottage in the woods and inside the cottage with Rachel Ziegler as Snow White. You get a really a couple of really good shots of Gal Gadot as the evil queen, uh, but very very brief footage, mostly just like little sneak peeks of like what the sets you know uh, look like and uh, has that kind of like misty mossy forest uh, quality to it, looking looking very much like a a cottage in a fairy tale book yeah it's really hard to to have an opinion based on just like it was really like i feel like it was like 20 seconds long or something yeah yeah um but gal gadot like she looked um very good as the evil queen i was um excited uh after seeing that little bit and uh you know rachel obviously looks perfect for the role of snow white um and they're obviously reimagining it for a modern age you know, I'll give it a chance. I, I'm not a big fan of many of these live action Disney adaptations. Yeah. Um, have you liked any of them? Um, if we count Pete's Dragon, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, but otherwise, I no, not not really. Yeah. No, I thought Aladdin was fine. Eh. Yeah, yeah, eh. okay. <laughs> Um, okay. Anyways, uh, the little mermaid, it was the next thing we saw. This is coming from Rob Marshall, uh, into the woods, Chicago. He's done a bunch of musicals in the past. Um, and obviously Alan Menken and Lynn Manuel has have collaborated on four new songs to open up this film in a whole new way is what they said. And, uh, I don't know. What worries me is Melissa McCarthy is going to play Ursula. We didn't see any of that here. Uh, Javier Bardem's playing Triton. Aquafina's playing Scuttle. There's a, uh, the casting on it sounds interesting. Um, they showed it a sequence, like they actually showed us an, a very early, unfinished sequence of it's the entire part of your world song where Ariel is. Um, was it unfinished? They said it wasn't finished, completely finished. I mean, oh. it, it, it was, I it mean, felt, felt pretty yeah. finished. Didn't really like like maybe they needed to touch up like yeah. visual effects and or something like that, but it, it felt like a pretty finished sequence. Yeah, I know they released a like a trailer online that kind of showed a little bit of it, but we saw the whole thing. Yeah, and I'll tell you, uh, number one, uh, I was shocked to see that the fish in the movie are like photo real, kind of like the Lion King. Like, yeah, that, that was thing. that was a little frustrating. Yeah, um, but this is a beautiful rendition of the song, and uh, it's not just her doing like the you know a cover of the Jody Benson like it, it, like really felt like its own thing, and uh, my my I don't know it was beautiful. Uh, a bunch of people around me cried. I thought it w- was good. Uh, Marshall for me, uh, the director always feels like he films things in a very stagey Broadway kind of way. He comes from that world um what did you think this didn't really feel like that to me because it's it really uh i mean this was a very close recreation with the exception of like a few uh interesting new shots um of this same sequence from the animated movie and this is really one of the problems i have with you know a a lot of the 
the Disney remakes is they fe- it feels like they're trying to like recapture the magic of those beats and they don't work quite as well in live action as they do in animation. Um, but I will say I, I did enjoy this sequence, um, particularly because Halle Bailey's voice uh, in this movie is incredible. And she seems like she's going to give one hell of a performance uh, as Ariel. So I hope the, the entire movie surrounding her um, is equally as good and does something to, you know, make this remake, you know, worth more than just Disney trying to turn all of their movies into, you know, new live action movies. Yeah. And then uh, next up was Pixar. They had Pete Doctor come out and um, was it? I didn't look this up after the the panel, but did they say that Pete Doctor's won the most Oscars than anyone else? They said that he's won the most Oscars uh, for animated movies than anybody else. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I guess that makes well. Wait, did he beat Walt Disney? I, I mean, it would I seem know. so. I mean, yeah. Oh, I don't... Okay. Anyways, uh, that was something that I wrote down in my notes that I didn't have time to like. Because actually... I, I, I think it's important to remember that like uh, animated movies weren't always recognized by the Academy yeah. for the longest time, especially during Disney's heyday, and and even in the uh the early 90s you know they've won a lot of uh, oscars i think for um maybe like technical innovations or original songs but not for feature films yeah um elemental was the first thing they showed this is the next pixar movie coming from pete Sone, uh who uh you might know he took over a good dinosaur in like the last year of that production, but uh you might better know him Uh, he did saw he he's a he's been with pixar I think since almost the beginning, like he's been there for a long, long time. And he's uh, a story artist who often gets uh, in the pitch meetings. Uh, people love his voice so much that he ends up being in the final product. He, he did a meal and Ratatouille. He did socks and late year. He does uh, the inspiration for Russell from up. Um, but anyways, uh, the, here he's uh, directing his second uh, big movie and um, this is, he said that this was a story that was inspired by his Korean immigrant parents who made a new life in New York. And um, basically what he wanted to tell a story is about a, a city, a, a salad bowl of cultures, uh, it's Element City. And uh, the the idea here is everybody is a different element, like someone's fire, someone's water, and it's a love story uh how would you describe this movie uh it's like a west side story or or romeo and juliet where the main characters are literally elementally opposed to each other yeah the the girl is named ember and she's made of fire and the guy is named wade and he's made of water uh and they fall for each other but like you know how how do do people like this have a relationship when their lives are literally like kind of mean that they can't touch each other and like they shouldn't be together um, there's clearly like a metaphor here dealing with, you know, race and class and that kind of thing. Um, but it seems like it's really cleverly done just the, the, the production design and like the world that they live in and, uh, how you see it's difficult for Ember to live in this, uh, city that is, um, seemingly dominated by a lot of water, uh, people and environments and even, even things like plants and stuff like that. Like it's hard for her to interact with them because she is fire and, you know, fire is a, a very destructive, uh, element and so yeah uh, this, this looks very cool to me i'm very interested in um after the footage they showed they showed us like a mix of uh animatics and like stuff that was had clearly was much further along in animation but then also like just moving sketches and very basic storyboards and things like that but uh it, it looks looks pretty cool yeah and uh 
don't know. It's just so visually interesting. And it's like one of those movies that I feel like Pixar couldn't have done 10, 15 years ago. It just oh, yeah. because of all the like the fire and water effects and all that kind of stuff. And I like that, like, you know, Wade, who's the water guy, uh, you know, he's transparent. So you're always know what he's feeling. And she's, you know, this fire girl. So uh, she has sort of a temper. And I don't know. It, it, it seems like it could be good. It could be. I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's very early. They didn't really show. It looks cute. I'll say it looks cute. And it, look, uh, it looks very visually interesting. Yeah. But I feel like I didn't get, uh, get to see enough of it to make any assessment um but yeah so uh then we got a preview of the first original long form pixar series like I, pixar's done you know the cars tunes cars on the road um they were they, recently they weren't involved with monsters at work and that was that's disney animation uh, yeah. but obviously it's based on pixar's you know franchise so yeah so this is a, a long form series this um is called win or lose and uh, it's from Carrie Hobson and Michael Yates, who were storyboard and office roommates who found that they had totally different readings of how they how things in a meeting went. And that kind of inspired this show in a way. So each episode, like the show takes uh, tells the story of a is it a baseball team? Yeah, it's, it's a it's like a little league team called the Pickles. Um, and the, the series, if you haven't said it already, it's called Win or Lose. And it follows the the week um, leading up to their championship game. And each episode will show that week unfolding through the eyes of a different character. And that includes having a completely different animation style and perspective for each episode. So like one looks like an anime, another one looks like uh, kind of like a cardboard diorama, you know. Um, and so like completely different stories. And because it's through the eyes of these characters, you also get like these exaggerated animation uh, animations uh, and imagination uh scenarios of things that like you don't actually see in the world like there's one character they follow who uh is an umpire uh and he like gets shy and nervous and so you'll see him suddenly equip himself with uh, literal emotional armor when he's having like a conversation with a barista that he has a crush on uh and stuff like that so there's there's cool little elements and uh, this this seems like it's going to be um something that allows them to like really experiment with uh, different animation styles, even more so than they've done recently with movies like uh, turning red and whatnot. And uh, I, th I think it could turn out to be uh, really, really interesting. Yeah. Whenever I see an animated film that is about human characters, I always think to myself, like, you know, what earns this, the uh, it's, I'm trying to think of the best way. I was going to say, what earns this the right to be an animated film? Because, you know, what, why isn't this live action? Right. And here, this, I feel like, totally earns the right to be an animated film. Like, this feels like a story that could only be told in animation and with the fantastical visuals that, like, are unique to each of the characters' struggles. And, uh, you know, I'm a person that loves, like, uh, any movie that kind of shows a situation and then it shows you it from different people's perspectives, like, you know, Pulp Fictions, The Goes, like those kind of things. And I feel like this is going to scratch that itch for me. So I, I'm I'm very excited for this. Yeah. Did they say how long each episode is going to be? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, well, the the clip that they, we saw featuring the umpire uh, was so funny and heartbreaking. It was him like asking out uh, uh, a girl at the coffee shop, and oh, uh, Will Forte was announced to play the coach. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, next up, what did we have next up? Oh, it's this uh, director Adrian Molina came out and uh, basically explained, uh, we are not alone in the universe and everything we've heard is true. A, a kid is the first one to actually make contact with aliens. And this film is called Ilio. And this yeah. is the first we've heard about this. Yeah. This, and this, the, so the story follows this kid Ilio who's, um much more you know uh book smart and uh, than he is athletic and his mother is working on some kind of secret government project where they have received a uh, some kind of message from alien life and they're trying to figure out uh what it says and who sent it um but while that happens before they can really figure anything out elio somehow gets abducted by these aliens uh and ends up in this place um that like basically is like the kind of like a center of the universe kind of thing where like all bunch of different aliens and things like that, like meet and, and interact, I guess almost like a, like a United nations of um, aliens. And somehow he becomes like the ambassador for earth <laughs> and just, yeah, he has this whole sci-fi adventure. Yeah. It seems like a cool concept. Uh, the kid playing Elio is cute. Uh, the movie comes out in spring 2024. It reminded me a bit of kind of like, it kind of had vibes of like ET or flight of the navigator, but obviously, you know, computer animated. Uh, what did you think? Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, we, we didn't get really get to see much from this other than like, uh, some, some concept art and, uh, production, uh, stills and things like that. But it's, it sounds like, it, you know, uh, I like the fact that it's original and I think that it sounds like it could be a pretty cool idea. Uh, the, the big news coming out of the Pixar panel is Amy Poehler came out and announced that they are making an inside out two, and this is going to tell the story of Riley and, uh, the emotions in Riley's head as she's now become a teenager. And also, uh, there's going to be some new emotions that show up, uh, with, that you know what's going on in her life um what, what, what did you think of this uh this is you know exciting because i like the original inside out so much and i think that you know the the setup of just having riley as a teenager is is perfect for that idea you know it, is, it doesn't feel like something where you really have to think too hard about why that's interesting and why that's going to be a, a cool idea to watch unfold um, so yeah, I'm, I'm certainly interested to see them come back. However, uh, there have been rumors around the, the web, apparently that Pixar is having some trouble locking down the rest of the cast from the original inside out. Um, word on the street is apparently that Amy Poehler landed a pretty, uh, decent payday for coming back for the sequel, but, uh, they apparently weren't willing to, uh, give Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling, um, as either as either as much of a payday or maybe like a considerable raise like amy poehler got and so uh negotiations might have stalled with them and it's not clear if they're going to be able to figure that out or not which would be pretty disappointing if that happened uh because those two you know voices were integral to the first movie and they're they're fantastic in those roles so i hope they if that's you know what's happening that they figure something out yeah i wonder if if that happens do you think they will recast them or do you think they'll replace them with new emotions? Yeah. I feel like this is a situation where if, if that does happen, they can probably like make it so that like those, re those emotions are replaced by something that like happens as you become a teenager. Like, you know, maybe fear will just become anxiety and it'll be like, that'll be just like one like combination thing or, um, and they'll turn, you know, disgust into something. Cause maybe it's not, you're not as easily like disgusted by stuff when you're a teenager. So maybe uh, it's not, required for that emotion to be present you know all the time 
Yeah. Um, and the same person who wrote the original is coming back, but obviously uh, Pete Doctor is now busy running Pixar, so he doesn't have time to direct. And is, uh, instead, directing this is going to be Kelsey Mann, who is who was a story supervisor on Monsters University and Good Dinosaur and Onward, and he was the director of, and writer of Party Central, which was a... Um, a fun Monsters University short. Yeah, yeah. So uh, next up, Walt Disney Animation Studios uh, head Jennifer Lee came out and uh, started with two Disney Plus projects. So it's all it's it's weird that this panel was like a mix of Disney Plus and like theatrical. I almost wish they had broken it up into like there was a Disney Plus panel and then there was a theatrical panel. But I feel like nowadays everything's kind of merging together into one. <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, so the first up is Utopia Plus. This is six new stories. Uh, it's all based on like each is kind of like a either based on a movie or or a, a TV show, and it tells stories within this Utopia universe. Uh, what, what did you think of this? Uh, I thought this was fine. Uh, you know, I really like Zootopia. Um, there's nothing particularly. Uh, uh, interesting about this that like has me excited to see it you know I think that there's some uh, interesting creative ideas in here as far as like showing what the world of Zootopia is like in you know and the animal way of what our world is Um, and so there's going to be like I think amusing and clever tidbits like that but I just I don't know like for me what I love about Zootopia was the was the story and like the connection to the characters and I just don't feel like there's something you know here to latch on to in that way yeah, uh, the funniest story of the six to me looked like there was like one story about two sloths that go on a date. Yeah, yeah, just that, like moving and, so slow. Yeah, I mean the sloth was hilarious in the first one. So yeah, um, th- these are shorts, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I don't understand why they're doing so many short things on Disney Plus. I mean, I do understand because it's cheap, it's more affordable, but um, and kids' try- attention spans are zilch. Yeah, well, I tried watching that um, I Am Groot the other day. Have you watched any of that I Am Groot? I have not. So it's a bunch of shorts on Disney Plus following, you know, uh, Baby, Baby Groot. Groot. And uh, when you watch one of them, and it's over so fast, like, you have to go to the main... It's not like a TV series where it's all like, oh, watch the next episode. It's like you have to go back to the main menu and find the other short because it almost treats it like it's a movie. Oh. It's its own movie. Yeah, it's weird. I, I, I guess I'm more complaining about Disney Plus and how that is organized than I am complaining about it being a short. Anyways, um, and the next thing was kind of very surprising to me. Uh, Pixar announced their first collaboration with an outside studio. Well, not Pixar, it, Disney Animation. Or Disney, or sorry, Disney Animation. Sorry, yeah. Disney Animation announced the first collaboration with an outside studio in the in the history of Walt Disney Animation history. Uh, and uh, how do you pronounce the name of the studio? Kugali? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so... You know, I didn't write proper notes for this, Brad. How did did uh, I remember Jennifer Lee explained how she came across this company? You know, I so the fun thing about covering these kinds of panels is everything happens at such a breakneck pace <laughs> that that's hard to pick up on everything. And I was typing so fast and furious, and and also having internet trouble at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I I honestly don't remember. Uh, I like, think it was. It I was think something. she. Oh, I remember. I just remembered. She read an article 
uh, about this um, African animation studio that said that they like were setting out to like um, I think it take was, like, Pixar down or something. Take, yeah, take take yeah, take Disney animation down or something. And they were or, like, did, huh. yeah, did, yeah. she was like, okay, well, let's see, you know, what what that you know they're all about, and that led to the meeting the the three people who run the studio and coming up with this uh, idea called Iwaju that feels like it's this like almost like Black Panther meets Big Hero 6 kind of vibe where it takes place in this very futuristic uh, African city that's kind of inspired by Lagos, Nigeria um, and follows these two kids as there's like some kind of uh, riff between um, warring, like, I don't know if you want to call them gangs or just like, or you know what it is. Uh, but like very futuristic uh, production design mixed with uh, African culture aesthetics, um, like a like a computer animated uh, Wakanda, but like with kind of yeah. like the the adventure of Big Hero Six, but but without superheroes. These are like regular people who have, but they have like a lot of futuristic technology, like hover bikes and like weapons that are kind of like lightsabers, uh, along with a, a mix of other you know very futuristic technology. Yeah, and. Uh you know there's obviously water that separates these like social ec- economics and this yeah. coming of age story of a uh, someone from the island and a poor boy from the mainland mainland and um and this this is a series is that right or is it a movie i thought it was a movie yeah for some reason i wrote down series but now i'm now i'm questioning myself <laughs> it, it's coming to uh Oh, it's, you're right. You're, you're you're right. It's a series. Okay, yeah, it's coming to Disney Plus in 2023, and we saw a reel of it. It looks very different than any other Disney animation projects, and that that is interesting to me. Um, I can't wait to see more of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then they talked about their 65th animated film, Strange World. This comes from director Don Hall. Uh, there's been trailers out. You've probably already seen it. Uh, they showed some clip. Uh, clip. I love how cool the aliens and the world look. Uh, Dennis Quaid plays the grandfather. Uh, there's like three generations of this family in this movie. Uh, like I said, the, the world is visually interesting looking. Uh, the creatures are visually interesting looking. I'm not sure I'm yet invested in these characters. I mean, I'll go see it because I watch anything Disney animation. Uh, what, what did you think of what we saw? Yeah, I agree with you. Actually, I, I haven't seen anything that makes me fall in love with any of the the, the characters yet on this uh, movie. But I do love the visual style of it. It has a very Jules Verne pulp sci-fi kind of feel to it, like those classic uh, comic books and adventure novels, and uh, you know has a, a fantastic voyage kind of uh, style to it. Yeah, you know? like what's cool is like the aliens feel like they are like, you know, uh, like spores or like, um, or like, uh, things that you would see if you were like inside the human body on a microscopic level, like the one scene they showed us where there's like this flying stream of creatures, they kind of look like big, uh, blood cells. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, this comes out in November 22nd in theaters. Uh, and the, they ended this panel, uh, with a tease for an original film coming in, was it 2023? Yeah. Um, and they they began their pitch showing us like a montage from Disney animation history. Of like all the moments when characters have like been looking up to the stars and like wished upon a star or like dreamed of being something bigger and like, and what, like wanted something more for their lives. 
Yeah, and they played that song from Cinderella, A Dream is a Wish That Your Heart Makes, or I think it was that song. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, what is this? And uh, it turns out it's a movie called Wish. And this is uh, out of the panel, Peter Pan and this were the two things I was most impressed with. Uh, what this is, <laughs> this is a weird pitch, by the way. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lee was like, this is an original film by Disney Animation. Original but, characters, original songs. But it's kind of a based on, uh, it's a spinoff of the legacy of Disney animated films. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's basically like, uh, gives you an, uh, a characterization of like the star is that like characters would wish upon in a way. Yeah, the wishing star, which has yeah. been seen throughout Disney animated history. Uh, Jennifer Lee, who runs the studio, she's, uh, you know, obviously uh, worked on Frozen. Uh, she's one of the writers here and Frozen director Chris Buck and uh, Fawn. I she's don't very, have the last uh, name It's here. a very difficult to pronounce last name anyway. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> they are directing it. And um, this is the story of Rosas, uh, the King of Wishes. And uh, it's about a, a girl who... I guess it's basically the origin story of the wishing star, I guess is what you'd call it. And all that sounds very weird and sounds like something that doesn't sell me on paper, but the animation style for this looks so fantastic. It's like watercolor, but almost cell shaded 3d. Yeah. So cool. Well, that's, so that's what's interesting is like, cause the characters themselves feel a bit cell shaded, but they also look like 3d renderings of 2d animated characters. But then like the environments themselves are, they're also 3d, but they, they have this like classic uh, watercolor painting aesthetic that like, it's, it it looks like a painting come to life. uh, Essentially. It's, it's really visually interesting. Yeah. And, um, Asha is a 17-year-old, driven, uh, courageous woman who's the center of this, and she's a leader in the making, doesn't know it, and her journey puts her up against one of the most formidable foes in Disney history. Obviously, we don't know who that foe is, uh, but she wishes on a star for help in uh, the power of the wish. Uh, has a star come down from the stars and literally the star, the yeah. star, the star is like a, a character, like this cute little chubby yellow star that like look, looks kind of like Kirby from uh, the Nintendo video games wearing like a little star suit. Yeah. Like a ball of boundless energy, but shaped like a star. And th- I will tell you this. I don't n- know that this movie is going to be a home run, but that star character is going to sell them so oh, much yeah. merch. Absolutely. And Alan Tudyk uh, is, you know, considered one of Walt Disney Animation's good luck charms. He's uh, signed on to play a goat named Valentino. Wears pajamas. And (laughs) uh, he's and one of the things that they showed us like a little uh, animation test. They didn't have any like finished clips, but they showed us animation tests that they did to like figure out how this movie would look. And they show Valentino interacting with the star. And all of a sudden he starts because the star like sprinkles magic dust on him. And then all of a sudden the goat says, he's like, he's like, he's like, what happened? He's like, where's, where's the magic? And then he realizes that he's talking and he's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's, it, it looks like a lot of fun. It really looks like it's going to be charming. And um, yeah, Ariana DeBose is voicing the main character, Asha. And uh, man, Disney brought her out to sing uh, an original song from this movie. And she 
And a song written by Grammy-nominated Julia Michaels. Yeah, who has done songs for like Dua Lipa and, and Pink and whatnot. And uh, the song, man, this is like, it was a showstopper. First of all, Ariana DeBose's voice, as you, if you've seen West Side Story, you know she can sing like crazy. Uh, but hearing her live performing the song, man, she has an impressive set of pipes. And the song itself is gorgeous too. This is this song clearly like it really felt like it was uh probably wishes like let it go or I am Moana uh po- song for the movie. It's man, it's it's great. Yeah, and speaking of uh let it go, the the only two times I can remember D23 ending their panel with a song like this was when uh uh what's her name? Adina Menzel came out and and sang let it go like a year before that movie came out. And it was like the debut of that song. And then also, uh, I think they did it with Frozen 2 as well. So ending the panel with this song and this movie makes me think that they have a lot of they, faith in it. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I'm excited for it. Uh, I, I know I ran into a couple people after who like had more, uh, were more cynical about the whole thing. But uh, no, I think, it, I think it looks, I think it looks very, very cool. And, you know, I just love the fact that it's an original idea too, you know, even though it it has like roots in like what they call the legacy of Disney movies. I just, it, it feels like a very, you know, charming tale. They also teased that this movie was going to, I forget what they said. They said, uh, well, take the concept of Easter eggs to a whole new level. Yeah. That, that was the one thing that I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so are we going to get a, moment where we see the wishing star go into all the movies or something maybe maybe like maybe we'll see like the world where the star comes from and like maybe yeah maybe we'll hear a bunch of like i don't know characters being referenced or something like that Mm. or yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not sure it's hard to know without knowing more about the story but that's that that was one thing that i was like oh i don't know why you guys felt the need to do that (laughs) (laughs) or or don't hype that up do you know what i mean like have that as a surprise if you're gonna do that it just feels like 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 it would be like ending the panel being like guess what we're gonna have a bunch of merchandise for you to buy too one thing i want to say if um if you uh want to go to youtube because a bunch of people recorded you know the parts of the panel that you could record um alan tudyk when he, they brought him out he did this great thing where they had him run through every single voice that he's done across the the past decade of disney animated movies because uh, he's their good luck charm and he's been in in pretty much all of them uh go go watch that on youtube because it's really fun to hear him go in and out of the voices of all those characters especially the characters who only kind of like make animal sounds yeah um okay that is the end of the first day's panel wow that was a lot uh brad what what were your favorites out of that um my favorites gosh i i was i'm very interested in the wish stuff i think that's going to be um be one to keep an eye on um i was impressed by peter pan and wendy and uh elemental i think looks like it's going to be really really fascinating as well and of course win or lose win or lose uh, I'm, I'm excited just because that's pixar's first series and there's a lot that they can do with that oh one last thing about the w- wish thing uh the logo is you know says wish and above it says disney and w- which seems weird to me because they have a, a cruise ship called the disney wish and now they they're making a movie called disney wish <laughs> It seems a little like uh, how 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 is that going to work with Google? You know, SEO of <laughs> of, of people searching that. Hashtag Disney Wish movie. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the Marvel Lucasfilm Fox panel uh, that started with Lucasfilm 
they mm-hmm. showed us the final trailer for Andor, which you can see online. Looks good, right? Uh, yeah, it looks yeah. it looks fine. <laughs> uh, Willow, uh, obviously, Mad Mardigan won't be in this one, but one of his friends will make an appearance, and he's played by Christian Slater, Indeed. who came out on stage and was delightful. Yeah, and uh, they showed a new tra- trailer. Yeah, that's online. You can check that out. And I, I will say, um, I so I wa- I only watched Willow for the first time fairly recently. Uh, actually, I think it was in preparation for Star Wars Celebration because we anticipated that they might show uh, the first Willow trailer there, which they did. Um, and I think Willow is a pretty cool fantasy movie from the 1980s. You know, I, I think it's one of those ones where you probably have more of a reverence for it if you grew up watching it than if you watch it, you know, at at my age. Um, yeah. But I, I think this series looks really cool and looks like it might be even better than like the movie. Like it seems like it's, it will really expand the world and uh, tell a cool fantasy story. Yeah, no, it looks cool. Uh, I guess uh, uh, one thing I was thinking about after seeing the trailer, I was like, does, the, does TV nowadays have enough room for this many fantasy shows on TV at the same time? We have uh, the Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. We have um, Lord of the Rings, and now Willow. Like it feels like so much fantasy. Yeah, but I think that's just because like fantasy is like enjoying kind of like a, a you know even resurgence. More, yeah, even more of a resurgence now. I think I think if anything, yeah. maybe it's good. Yeah, uh, Dave Filoni came out uh, to very, a lot of cheers. Uh, announced the Bad Batch season two will be sixteen episodes with a two episode premiere. Um, in Tales January. The, in January, yeah. Tales of the Jedi is a series of six shorts written by Dave. Three are from about Ahsoka. Three are about Dooku. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And all six are debuting on October twenty sixth. Uh, they showed a like a trailer or yeah, tease trailer. of that. Uh, what did you think of that? Uh, I was surprised by this because I didn't think that they were going to do a thing where they had like a multi episode arc focusing on a single. Uh, character I thought they were going to have like each episode tell like some random story about one of the prequel era Jedi like Kit Fisto or Plo Koon or something like that Uh, so this is kind of interesting to see because like this is like full-on canon storytelling where they're going to dive more into the origins of uh, Ahsoka Tano you see shots of her as a a baby and like when the Jedi came to collect her and make her into a youngling and uh, Anakin training her using real clone troopers um, as she like you know has to deflect their lasers with with a lightsaber and then uh, we get to see Dooku's origins this is this is a young Dooku like not even uh, Dooku with gray hair like he has uh, dark brown hair and resembles you know um, a a young animated um, Chris, wow, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> Christopher, um... Oh my god, I feel like an idiot. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I'm blanking now. Christopher Lee, it was that simple, yeah. Christopher Lee, jeez. Uh, yeah, and so again, you know, an origin story that follows uh, what what it was like when he was working with the Jedi. There's shots of him fighting alongside Mace Windu, and then you see maybe how he starts to turn uh, towards the dark side and turn turn against them. So, uh, you know, n- not necessarily super jazzed about more prequel origin story stuff, but the series itself looks pretty cool. Yeah. Next up was Ahsoka, which is currently filming. John Favreau came out. They showed some stills on the screen. Didn't uh, one had like Sabine shown from behind, but um, they didn't show any footage. Like even they had didn't they have footage at Celebration? Yeah, I was shocked that they didn't at least play that little teaser that they played at Star Wars Celebration. Um, yeah, no no footage at all, just a few stills. Then, the, And one of the stills was the final shot of that teaser where it shows 
uh, Sabine and Ahsoka standing in front of that mural where you see a painting of Ezra. Um, I was even more surprised because a story broke from Hollywood Reporter before um, the uh, D23 started of the casting of Ezra, confirming who was playing him. And and to me, I was like, oh, then they're probably going to show him in a trailer uh, at Mm. D23. And there was nothing. Well, I've heard I've heard rumors that they wanted to keep that under wraps because they didn't want people to know that Ezra is actually going to show up. Well, why wouldn't he? <laughs> and, well, they're on the search for Ezra. Will they find him? I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, because yeah, when Star Trek: The Search for Spock came out, no one thought they were going to find Spock. But did they show Spock in the trailer for the? I don't know. I'd have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, okay. So next up was Skeleton Crew. This is the uh, series. No movie. Yeah, movie. From John Watts. No, directed, no, it's, no, no, it's a series. series. It's a series, yeah. Okay, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. So, uh, Skeleton Crew is a series from John Watts who directed the Spider-Man series. He directed uh, Cop Car. And uh, we actually heard – I don't think we heard the story before where where John Favreau was on the set of one of the Spider-Man movies. And he kind of went to John Watts and kind of was trying to get him to direct an episode of Mandalorian. And John Watts was like, oh, I already have this whole fully formed pitch for the Star Wars series. And I guess he got a meeting out of that and uh, ended up being the Skeleton Crew, which is the story of a group of kids who get lost in Star Wars Galaxy. We haven't really been told much more than that. It's been filming for a few weeks. They showed a photo of Jude Law. Yeah, and he was like surrounded by those little uh, ball eyeball things. Uh, yeah, those eyeball droids, like the one that pops out of Jabba the Hutt's palace door. Yeah. Um yeah, and, and uh, nothing I can really say about that. I mean, it looked Star Warsy. Yeah, Jude Law looks Star Warsy. Yes. Uh, Mandalorian season three, they showed a teaser trailer. Was this the same one that they showed at Celebration? Yeah, yeah this was the exact same trailer they showed at Celebration. Yeah, uh, we got to see. Um, is that Babu Frick or is that creatures of his kind? I'm not entirely sure. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like just a, a species yeah. from his same. Uh, yeah. yeah. One of the coolest things was seeing like a bunch of Mandos dropping out of a ship with their jetpacks and mm-hmm. um, yeah, lots of Mandalorians. That trailer, that trailer's online. So oh, it is okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, Indiana Jones five. I think this was probably the highlight of this panel for me. Yeah. Uh, director James Mangold came out. Uh, they showed a. Uh, they didn't announce the title. Uh, a lot of people were thinking they were going to announce the title, and they showed a trailer uh that gave me full body chills uh it didn't re- get, it didn't reveal a MacGuffin, right no it didn't even really give us like an idea of what the plot was the the best i can say is the action looked very indiana jones yeah and not and it didn't feel like it was done in a way similar to like the action in kingdom of the crystal skull where it feels like it's a lot of green screen and stuff like that there was like an auto rickshaw chase with cars going through uh, a city there was indy running across uh, a train at night while it's raining also and then chasing a plane on a motorcycle um there's yeah just just the, the action looks phenomenal in this movie uh, you get great beats with with Indiana Jones himself. Um, Sala is back, John Reese Davies, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, it's just th- this this looks great. It looks like Indiana Jones is back in a in a big way, and I'm, I'm so excited to see this movie. Yeah, and then Har- Harrison Ford came up on stage, and he got emotional about this being his final. Uh... Well, actually, did he say on stage that this is going to be his final? So thing? he he. Well, so what happened was is he said. Like he started to say something about like he's I'm happy to be here for what might be the last, 
Uh, and then like a bunch of people were like, no. And he like, and he was like, and he said, he was like, he's like, no, he's like, he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm, uh, he's like, this is it. He's like, I'm not falling down for you people again. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, here's what's interesting. Uh, so I was sitting in a seat uh, in, in this panel where I could see the screen that they use as a teleprompter for the people yeah. who are doing the presenting on stage. Oh yeah. And, James Mangold skipped that line. Yeah. There was a very specific line where they, they like emphasize that this was the last Indiana Jones movie and he didn't say it. I don't know if it was on purpose or if he just went off script and like got, got lost and didn't see that line to say. Uh, but I think the fact that Harrison Ford said that during yeah. the panel, I, th- I feel like that means this is probably going to be the, the last Indiana Jones movie until, you know, they inevitably reboot it at some point. Yeah, the, uh, when you're in one of these panels at D- D23, they have this large teleprompter be- behind the middle of the, uh, like, the audience uh, like uh, across from the stage. And I always look at that because you can usually see like a minute ahead of time. Yep, yep that's what I was doing the entire time. It, yeah, so it I always look immensely. Yeah, no, so I always look back and I saw that moment uh, that James Mingle, because it was, it was right before he was supposed to give his speech about um, – you know how Indiana Jones inspired him to be a filmmaker, and uh, the movie inspired him to be a filmmaker, and so like that. I think he skipped it because he was just jumping into tr- trying to get to the emotional, uh, his emotional backstory. Yeah. Um, but the line specifically said that this is the final, and final was underlined, like yeah. he was supposed to like give importance to it. Indiana Jones movie. So, so there's that. Anyways, it, it didn't happen on stage, but I, I think it's fair to say that this is probably the final uh, Indiana Jones movie with Harrison Ford. Since we're leading into Marvel now, I want to say uh, it's interesting to see how Marvel operates because even though uh, Lucasfilm and Disney and all them use that teleprompter in the back, uh, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige doesn't use a teleprompter at all. And I don't know if it's yeah. just because he's good at what he does and doesn't need it or if they do that so that they don't have to worry about any potential secrets getting out. No, no, it's um I actually know about this. I can't say how I know about this, but Kevin Feige doesn't like using a teleprompter. Oh, okay. He he has like uh, some notes that are actually like uh somewhere on the stage or something like that to oh, like, interesting. tell him where where he's going next or whatever, but like he yeah. does not like to have a a scripted thing. So And you can you'd never know cuz he's very good at what he does. Um funny story to go along with this as well. Um so for the for these panels as press, uh, we we get reserved seating if we're we're there because we're invited by Disney, uh, yeah. and so there's a separate media line where you have to go that where you have a wristband so that you get seated in a, a certain section so that you know um, you, they know you're allowed to be there you, and you get you know a certain seating and then whatnot. So I, I got there to to attend this panel. I get my wristband, and they had like people bring you over from like the box office where your wristband was to the line to get into this big room where the panel happens. So as we're being brought over, all of a sudden they bring us not to the line where everybody else is standing, but inside the room. And I was like, oh, maybe they're just taking us inside the room to like walk to the back of the line without like crowding the group of people that are over there because there was a bunch of people already standing there. Yeah, but they but this person starts bringing us into the panel and takes us to the seating area and nobody is inside yet. Nobody else. And there's a whole line of people that should have been in front of us. And immediately I know we're not supposed to be there because up on stage was the Thunderbolts concept art that they were revealing and announcing for the first time. And so I'm just like, huh, okay. So I go and sit down and we're just waiting and they're still doing like a quick dry run of like the slides that they're using for the panel. So 
I see like some of the stuff that they were going to announce during the thing. And eventually someone, oh, came wow. o- someone came over and they were like, hi, what are you guys doing here? And they were like, oh, we were brought in here. And they were like, by who? And we're like one of the, like the handlers who brings people in. And they're like, yeah, you guys, if you guys have like taken pictures of anything on the screen or anything, like delete them, like don't do anything with that. Like you guys aren't supposed to be here. You're not supposed <laughs> to see any of this. And so like they let us leave our stuff there, but then they escorted us back out. And so we were just waiting out there. Um, but yeah, so that, that was oh, really crazy. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, actually, before we get to Marvel real quick, I just want to say, um, you know, uh, Ford getting emotional. Uh, they said that the movie really has this human. He was really excited that it's a human story to tell and praised uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, who's uh, co star in this. Do we know what her re- relation to him is in the movie? In the trailer, it sounded like he said that he was her godfather. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Anyways, um, okay. Marvel, Kevin Feige, uh, the. Uh, he came up on stage and he was like, you know, at D23, they always have like these big things, these big musical moments, bands coming on stage. I never get to do that. So this time I'm going to get to do it. And then uh, basically a band came sliding out of the stage, like a whole band. And then they recreated the Rogerson musical live in concert on the stage. Yeah. The scene that they play in Hawkeye at the beginning of the show but in its entirety, like the entire, I could do this all day music number. Yeah. It was incredible. It, it was, was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. Um, first up Wakanda forever. Ryan Coogler, the director was there and they showed some footage that, uh, a scene, I guess you'd call it, uh, exclusively for the room. This was not online. It showed. It's so, a so, court so, so it seemed like it was uh, like a United nations conference yeah. kind of thing where you have people from countries uh, addressing Angela Bassett as the queen of Wakanda. uh, And they're asking about sharing vibranium and like why they don't. And she very succinctly says, she's like, we don't share vibranium because um, you know, we're, we're worried about other people, you know, stealing it. We, we don't share it because we're worried about what you'll do with it. Um, And so it's a, it's a very tense kind of confrontational scene between uh, the queen and these, you know, uh, essentially like, politicians but then it starts being intercut uh with this um see other scene that's happening in a research facility where a group of soldiers mercenaries whatever in in full uh like army gear are uh trying to break into this facility where there's this like vibranium uh door and probably there to steal vibranium and then when this door opens it's okoye and the rest of the dora milaj uh, and they absolutely kick their ass. And the sequence is intercut back and forth between this conversation that Angela Bassett is having with these politicians. And then uh, all of a sudden the Dora Milaje come in with the soldiers they've apprehended at this research facility and bring them into the meeting. And it's just a very cool sequence. And then, and then it went into to sizzle real mode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It looked good. I mean, I, that trailer that they debuted at, um comic-con and put online was just so good yeah um this just like gave us a little taste i don't um do do you have anything to say about it no and and they still did a really good job of hiding who the new black panther is they only had one shot uh of the new black panther and it was a different one uh it's like uh the new black panther was making like uh, a big jump it's a low angle shot where he uh jumps from above and has like a superhero landing but it was so quick like you can't even make any sense of who it would have been you think they're gonna hide that for the 
for the movie itself. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that they're yeah. gonna do everything they can to keep that secret. Yeah. Um, they also tease that the tech in this movie is touted as being even cooler than what we've seen before. Um, Ironheart, which is also being produced by Coogler, uh, will be introduced in this movie and uh, Disney Plus uh, show is coming down and uh, they're halfway through shooting and they give us an early look. Um, looked pretty good. So uh, yeah. the main character is like this engineer MIT student who wants to build like a better Iron Man suit, I guess. And um, I don't know. How else would you describe what we saw? Uh, it had it had a little bit of a Spider-Man homecoming vibe to it in a way. But like if Spider-Man was like uh, at college and like trying to create his own suit, basically, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So that's it, it. It looks like. Yeah, it looks like a Marvel series. Um, I think the most interesting thing about it is uh, Anthony Ramos uh, is playing the villain known as the Hood. And what they touted for this series is that this was the first time that they were going to really have uh, high tech go toe to toe with dark magic uh, because the Hood apparently uses uh, the dark arts and uh, casts dark magic. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, next up was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Uh, this is the first film in phase five. They showed us a, they said it was exclusive sizzle reel, but I, is this the same thing that was at Hall H? Yeah. Yeah. This is always weird. Cause like D23 makes it sound like they're always playing stuff just for the D23 cut. Cause it's still exclusive. Like it's for the people that are there, yeah. but this, this was pretty much as, uh, the exact same trailer that they played at Comic-Con. However, we thought because some of the stuff that I sent back to the team while I was, uh, watching this, uh, I think they played us a slightly extended version of that final scene uh, between Kang and Scott Lang because uh, it seemed like it the the previous trailer at Comic Con ended where uh, it's Scott Lang is meeting Kang for the first time and uh, Scott Lang says he's like he's like you just made a big mistake he's like I'm an Avenger and Kang says he's like he's like oh an Avenger he's like have I killed you before and scott's like what and he was like sorry he's like they all it all blends together i've killed some yeah. of them you know and it's just this really cool conversation between kang and man i, I love jonathan majors in this role yeah uh we saw bill murray mm -hmm. surprised to see janet there uh yeah look, it looks really good i i had not seen it at comic-con uh so i would I, this was like one of the funnest things that i saw at the marvel panel uh, even though it's not really that new um next up we saw uh, trailer for Werewolf by Night, which I think got put online, right? It did, yeah. Yeah, so this is Disney Plus Halloween special is, uh, from dire a director Michael Giacchino. Yes, that Michael Giacchino, who you know as a composer. Uh, he originally wanted to be a director. Uh, he actually did a short at South by Southwest a few years back. Mm -hmm. um, or was it Fantastic Fest? It was one of those two. Um, and uh, this is inspired by the 1930s, 1940s horror films and... Uh, it's a werewolf movie set in the or werewolf uh short werewolf special set in the marvel cinematic universe it even had its own like uh marvel studios special presentation logo which is kind of like a uh what they used to have on like uh television specials on tv yeah uh, the, the, i think to me what's so surprising about this and i know i say this like every time marvel comes out with something i say this but it continues to be true this seems unlike anything Marvel has done before in a big way. It's first of all, it's black and white. It's like really feels like a throwback to an earlier time. And also it seems much scarier than other stuff. Yeah. This like legit has that like 
classic horror movie vibe to it. Like it feels like a universal monster movie, but even even darker and, and scarier. Uh, it's black and white, has like film grain on it, and it's the way it's presented is is very classic horror film. Very creepy, very cool. It really feels experimental and something that Disney wouldn't allow Marvel to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just feels like so out of the realm of what they usually do. Yeah. So but that I, excites me. I think that I think that's cool though, and I hope yeah. that like this, if it does well, you know, I hope that it allows them to like explore things that might otherwise be strange seeing in like a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. But this like will allow them to like get into weirder corners of the MCU. Yeah, uh, Don Cheadle came out and introduced Secret Invasion. Uh, Nick Fury finally gets to be the star in this. Um, this is a series, right? Yep. Yeah, and we saw the first trailer. Uh, was this the same thing shown at Hall H? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So you've already heard about this in the past. Um, and, this but tra- it- and this trailer is out there as well. They released it. Cool. And then they uh, said that this will lead into Armor Wars, which is interesting because uh, at Hall H and Comic-Con, Armor Wars was not featured on that big master plan that Feige had on the screen, which led a lot of people being like, oh, is Armor Wars canceled? What's happening with Armor Wars? But they mentioned Armor Wars is not yet filming, but it's going to be like, they made it sound like Armor Wars is like endgame to this being Infinity War. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like... Yeah, it did feel like they, like that's like some of this stuff was going to be leading to like a big thing happening in Armor Wars. Yeah. So uh, Loki season two shooting right now in the UK. Uh, they, they they gave us a first look. This isn't online, I assume. Right. Uh, no, no. Yeah, this is not. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looked really good. Uh, Loki. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it's very hard to describe. They did this like effect where he's kind of like getting stretched and move. Like he, his body is kind of feeling the side effects of. Well, not not even being stretched. It, it's it's basically it's kind of like um like in Wreck It Ralph when Vanellope von Schweetz she glitches. Uh, yeah, it's like that. Like his body is like jumping around in the same space. Like it's like like almost like it's like glitching through several different timelines or something. Yeah, and it looked like it was uh, him trying to convince um owen wilson's character that can't uh, about what had you know the other multiverses and king like he reveals uh to morpheus like king's head hidden i'm, I'm not Mo- even Mo- sure how Mo- it Mo- works mobius mobius, or Mo- yeah, yeah. Mo- mobius sorry yeah. uh king's head uh hidden behind like uh yeah, the he, wall yeah he uses like those batons they have and he like jabs it into the wall and the wall kind of like disintegrates um in the same way that like people do when they get hit with the baton and it reveals that there's like uh big brass or like uh statues of, of the face of kang behind it looks cool it does it looks very yeah. cool and uh uh Hui kwan is in this uh series they announced him as being part of the cast who if you don't know uh by now um that short round from indiana jones and the temple of doom who's, who's enjoying a big comeback thanks to everything everywhere all at once uh and you see him in this trailer he's like uh, he kind of looks like the key master from the Matrix uh, Reloaded slash Revolutions, where he's like sitting in the middle of this uh, room in the TVA where it looks like maybe there's a bunch of junk that they've collected over the years or something. Yeah. I'm so happy that he's getting a resurgence. I know I saw him in the, it was like in a Netflix uh, treasure hunting movie a few years back. And like now he's, you know, with uh, 
movie this year and, and this and like seeing uh, that photo. Did you see that photo on Instagram of him and yeah. Harrison Ford? Yeah, there's an adorable photo of Kehoe Kwan, <sighs> like just like look with the most glee and joy on his face, hugging and Harrison Ford even like he typically looks kind of grumpy, but man, he looks so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and uh, they said that this is going to con- connect to the multiverse saga. Uh, not to make this any longer, Brad, uh, but I was talking with someone uh, this weekend. I was like, all the Marvel stuff that we've seen so far, movies and TV shows, are based on comic book runs. Like they 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 make it, di- you know, it's different, but they base it on comic book runs. And the only thing that we could come up with that isn't true of that is Loki. Well, even though the, there's TVA, TVA exists in yeah, that's and they like Marvel they, comics, but there isn't of, the, the story isn't in the right, comics, right? Yeah, they're, but they're they're but they've been borrowing different story elements from several Loki comic book runs and kind of like mixing them together. Yeah, but I just thought that was interesting th- thing to think about because everything, yeah, has been based on something comic book, and this feels like so. I mean, obviously, it still ha- has roots in the comics, but it's the most uh i guess original i guess you'd say um okay uh next up we saw a first look from echo and um what did you think uh echo is the character from hawkeye she is um the deaf uh antagonist in that show and um what did you think of this footage um, it, look, it looks, you know, like, like exactly how I'd expect an Echo series to look. Definitely based, uh, you know, more street level stuff. Um, we'll, we'll expand her story. We get a, there's a lot of flashbacks. Uh, it seems like two different sets of flashbacks um, that will dig into like her her Native American or rather an indigenous uh, origins, like her family. Uh, there's like a flashback that's purely black and white, but then there was another flashback that was kind of like kind of sepia tone in a way more of like a faded color palette than anything and kind of like shows her her tribe and uh there's clearly going to be a lot of her family history that's involved here because her i don't know if it was her father or grandfather but played by graham green uh he gives her like this this metal uh kind of like decorative piece to put on her prosthetic leg and it like it's something that um was was made for her and it means warrior and it, she has it on her on her prosthetic leg, and so I think there's going to be uh, a bit of an origin story here that ties into whatever her present day story is. And uh, we get, did get to see that uh, Kingpin is still alive. Uh, he is back, and he taunts uh, Maya at the very end of the trailer. He says, "Hello, Maya. It's been a long time," and he's got his eye all bandaged up. So I don't know how he keeps on surviving stuff, but he does. He's Kingpin. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was cool to learn that the cast all like learned. Uh, ASL uh, sign language uh, to, to be able to communicate with uh, the lead star who is actually deaf, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, uh, they, they had um, Vincent was on stage and Kevin was like, all the rest of the cast had left. And he was like, why are you still out here? And he was like, aren't, aren't you going to talk about my show? And um, Charlie Cox's voice came overhead and he's like, <laughs> He's like, uh, he's like, my show? My show. He's like, your show. He's like, I think you mean my show. And the crowd went wild. Yeah. And Daredevil Born Again came on screen. And since they haven't filmed anything, uh, they didn't have anything to show, but they showed a clip from an upcoming She Hulk episode where, uh, spoiler, Daredevil appears. And, um, she Hulk and Daredevil had some great chemistry together, I thought. They did. Yeah. They did. It was, that was, uh, it was a good, good clip. 
Yeah, uh, Captain America: New World Order is the next thing. They did some uh, some casting announcements. Fourteen years after it was teased, Tim Blake Nelson is returning to the MCU, and he's gonna be the leader. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't start filming until early next year. Uh, described as a great paranoid thriller. Um, I'm not sure if I cared about Tim Blake Nelson as the leader, but I like that they're they're tying up loose ends. Of stuff yeah, that was, yeah. That's I think that's that's the coolest thing is that they yeah. they're, they're still holding on to that. And they're not just ignoring it. Yeah. Uh, Thunderbolts. Uh, uh, what what happened during the Thunderbolts thing? Oh, they announced the entire cast, or not the entire cast, but the I guess the Thunderbolts themselves. Yeah. The ro- the roster of characters. Yeah. So who is that, Brad? Uh, so we have Florence Pugh back as Elena Belova. Uh, David Harbour back as Red Guardian. Um, we have uh, Olga Kurilenko back as Taskmaster. Um, we have uh, Ghost from Ant-Man and Hannah something. Uh, yes, and I'm, I'm actually making sure that I have that name right now since I'm doing it and want to make sure. Hannah John Kamen. <laughs> um, and then we also have... Um, Sebastian Stan as Bucky. Yes, yeah, sorry, that was the last one they announced. Sebastian Stan as Bucky Barnes was a big deal, and then also uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus um, as uh, Contessa, Contessa something Fontaine. Yeah, she's also back <laughs> and was uh, in the lineup as well. Yeah, uh, so, do you think that it was this lineup any any bit of a surprise? Um, in some ways, I don't think a lot of people were expecting uh, certain characters to be part of this team. Um, it, it you know they, it kind of feels like a uh, a I don't know, a B team version of the Avengers in a way like the roster isn't all that thrilling. Um, I know some, I think some fans of like the Thunderbolts in the comics are a little bit disappointed with this roster, but considering the state of the MCU right now, this roster, you know, kind of makes sense and they probably can't have a lineup of characters that is bigger than that because, you know, it would be more, I don't know, maybe more expensive. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The biggest surprise to me was David Harbour. I didn't expect Red Guardian to be part of Thunderbolts, but yeah, but that's uh, fun. I I mean, he's great as, as, as Red Guardian. So I think that's, that's great. Yeah. And Marvel ended their panel or their part of the portion of the panel with a preview of the Marvels which is coming out next July from Mia DeCosta and uh, we got an early look, which was set to Beastie Boys Intergalactic, and it was actually a kick-ass trailer. Uh, the I guess the premise is between Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Photon. Yeah, or, or is, yeah, Ram- is Rambo, Rambo, Captain Rambo. What is her superhero character called? Is it Photon, or am I? They haven't they haven't given her a name. They haven't in, given her a name yet. Yeah, in MGU, yeah. yeah, but that photon is one of the aliases yeah. of uh, Monica Rambo. Yes, Monica Rambo. Uh, so they kind of like switch places, which is kind of teased in Miss Marvel. Yeah, basically um, they're yeah they're the, the, you we actually get to see part of the we saw part of the scene from Miss Miss Marvel um, in this uh, assembly, which was basically framed like a trailer, and basically the setup is like uh, something is going on with all three of their powers, and whenever they use their powers, they all switch places. So, um, the in the, that's such a fun concept. It is. It's, it's it makes for a lot of fun. And so, like the what we saw was that moment when uh, Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel switch places. Uh, Ms. Marvel ends up out in uh, space. And she's like, uh, gets knocked back, like from this like big portal in the middle of space to a space station that Nick Fury is on, and she's like fangirling out. She's like, "Oh my gosh, Nick Fury!" 
and then uh and then like nick fury is like wait a minute where's you know captain rambo and like they, they've lost track of everybody yeah. and obviously captain marvel is back on earth and they have scenes when with miss marvel's family they're like where's kamala you know um and so like it, there's a lot of fun stuff as far as like the dynamic between the three actresses uh it feels like it's gonna be pretty cool yeah i'm excited for this I, I am a bit surprised that that was like their big like closing the marvel section of the panel with but um i guess it's the biggest get of like exclusive footage yeah because yeah they didn't show any of that at comic-con so yeah uh i'm excited for it um and then uh they handed out 3d glasses they partitioned the the uh uh hall d23 into like at least three different yeah places so that we could watch a preview of avatar the way of water uh james cameron uh did not feel, see the need to fly to uh california to be in attendance so he was uh he, he was the only person that did like a remote from new zealand yeah even uh, the cast of loki season two who is still filming in london flew over just for their d23 appearance but james cameron he's too busy apparently <laughs> they, they apparently flew in when we we're gonna fly back a few hours later yeah so, yeah <laughs> yeah um but it, it, whatever he's busy working uh the um, uh, a bunch of the cast was on today. Stephen Lang said he was shocked to to be back after you know spoiler alert being killed in the original. Uh, the movie deals with protecting your family and a communal your communal family, and um, they said they were going to show us a few scenes, and they played us like six or seven scenes. Yeah, so it was kind of like after like two or three scenes, I was like, okay, that's good. And it was like another scene. Yeah, just and kept was like, going. Oh, okay. Kept it's, going. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a, a bad thing that we, I, I kind of felt that way. Maybe it wasn't set up right. Uh, I'll say a, a couple things here. Uh, number one, seeing the 3D, even on like, the, I was so far away from the screen in the press section, but seeing the 3D with Adobe 3D uh, from Avatar 2, uh, Made me be like, oh my god, was 3D actually this good? Like, yeah, yeah, this was this was some of the best 3D I've ever uh, experienced. Absolutely, it's it was uh, visually stunning. The way stuff pops off the screen, uh, it really immerses you in it so much that like you feel like you're behind the camera, especially the underwater sequences. Those were uh, just unbelievable. Um, the, the visuals are beyond impressive visual effects, uh, cinematography, all, you know, all that stuff. However, uh, as beautiful, um, as the footage looked, I must say that I am still having trouble getting excited for this movie just because like the spectacle is great. It's there. Um, I just don't feel anything like as far as like excitement about the story yet, you know, it seemed again, it seems pretty, pretty basic, um and you know well, it's also weird that they showed us like just random scenes and i didn't know who any of the characters were or most of the characters were i didn't understand what was going on i mean it's you from context clues and the way things are you get a pretty good idea of like what the story is and like what the probably what the big development is going to be because uh they have a scene that introduces a uh, a new uh navi clan and i'm not even sure if they're they're still called navi or not but like they do look like Navi, but their their skin is more of like an aquamarine color. And yeah. like the the Sully kids, they they hear from like who seems to be like the leader of this tribe who live in these like uh, seaside um, huts on the water, that there's some kind of delineation or like separation between Navi tribes. 
um, and they're not supposed to consort with each other because apparently it seems like one or two of the Sully kids maybe has some kind of like relationship with one of the kids from this new tribe. I think they said they were like Toon Coon or something like that. Um, but, but yeah, so I, there's probably going to be this whole thing of like unity and coming together and like, you know, being in an environment that you're not used to. That's probably what, what like what a lot of the water stuff is. Cause it seems like this yeah. new tribe does a lot of stuff with water and, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say is the underwater water scenes in 3D were just so visually unlike anything I've seen before. Like the light rays going underwater coming off the screen, like it it really did um capture the magic of like, you know, that first moment when you're in Pandora and like the like those night lily things coming down yeah. like uh coming and they, down. And they know it too, like cuz they they really let some of these underwater sequences linger where like nothing is really happening as far as like progressing the story they're literally just showing the beauty of pandora's underwater life you know and like some of it feels just like our underwater life there's like coral and things like that but like the creatures are like basically pandora spins on our creatures there's like weird versions of puffer fish and stingrays and uh they ride these like creatures that are kind of like they're like small whales if whales had like a long brontosaurus neck and then they had like they had like both upper and lower fins on their sides at the back of their body now i I was one of the people that i still like avatar one um this one the story hasn't grabbed me yet but i will say that visually like this seems stunning and it seems like something that must be experienced in 3d on a big screen although they they should in high frame rate and i'm not sure how i feel about high frame rate uh even i thought with this being mostly cg it wouldn't bother me but it still did a little bit yeah i will say it didn't feel quite as jarring as when i saw uh the hobbit in high frame rate so it feels like maybe they've gotten better at making it so that it's it doesn't take uh you long to like adjust to i'm not sure how how any of that works but it yeah it definitely didn't bother me as much yeah um what were you most impressed out of this whole panel um i think it's the indiana jones 5 trailer uh yeah it really seems like james mangold knocked out of the park and you know it takes a lot for harrison ford to talk about stuff in a way where he sounds genuinely excited and like proud of what he's done and I think that just the way he was talking about Indiana Jones and what the kind of credit he gave to Phoebe Waller-Bridge for her part in not just starring in the movie with him, but, but co-writing it. Um, it's, and just what we saw on the screen, it looks, it looks like, uh, you know, a classic Indiana Jones movie. And yeah. I, I'm so excited to see it. Same here. I think that was the biggest win, which is so surprising because I would think, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed with what Lucasfilm showed up with. They didn't really show us much it was kind of um there wasn't any big announcements they didn't even show us like stuff that was at celebration um i I don't know i felt that was a very weak uh uh, showing from them and marvel i mean there was fun stuff but it was all stuff that like or most of the stuff was stuff that was at all h at comic-con yeah Uh, i think the one thing i was disappointed that they didn't do anything for yet uh which was surprising since they did werewolf by night was i was really surprised we didn't see anything from the guardians holiday special yet Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wondering why not? Because that's, yeah, that's coming up in just a few months, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe New York Comic Con. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Anyways, you can find more of all of our work at slashroom.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashroom.com. And please rate and view this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we will see you on 
Wednesday, probably. This Father's Day, celebrate the dads who bring joy, love, and laughter into our lives with a gift from Minky Couture. Our luxurious, ultra-soft blankets are the perfect way to show your appreciation for all the big and little moments he creates. Whether he's cheering on his favorite team or sharing bedtime stories, a Minky Couture blanket will wrap him up in comfort and love. Visit MinkyCouture.com or head to your nearest store and find the perfect blanket to make this Father's Day unforgettable. Minky Couture, because dads deserve the very best. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.